Thank you for checking out this sermon video here at Hope Church. We are so excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text NEW TO HOPE to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a short form for you to fill out so that we can get to know you better. The message you are about to watch is part of our current sermon series, Proverbs, Everlasting Wisdom for Everyday Life. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. In the spring of 2017, collectively as a faith family, we set out together on a journey asking a question. We were seeking the heart of God around the question, what's next for Hope Church? You say, why the spring of 2017? Well, the previous fall, the fall of 2016, we just turned 15 years old as a faith family. And a lot of what God had put in our hearts when we began together as a faith family had been accomplished and we thought it appropriate to say, God, what's next? And in the spring of 2017, we went on a several week journey together seeking to answer that question. It was really the culmination of 15 to 18 months of a prayer journey and a conversation among our staff team, volunteers, leadership, stewardship team. And we called that journey together the next campaign. How many of you were here in 2017 remember some of that? Yeah, so we called it the next campaign. We, 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 un, we unpacked the answer to that question in three components. We talked about the next step for us as a faith family. And the next step involved the, the building out of our campus. We were totally out of space. And if you've, those of you that are here at the recording, you know this, but if you're watching online, if you hadn't been by the Cactus Campus lately, uh, the building is happening, uh, right? People that are in the room, right? It's happening. I mean, there's like a building out there now that wasn't here when we broke in March. And as a matter of fact, as of today, uh, we've launched on our app and on our website a link. If you're ready to tour, you can now sign up to get a tour of the new building right now. And you can get in it so that we haven't done everything inside yet, obviously. You can still go in right now all over the platform area before we cover it. We're giving people an opportunity to write their favorite scripture verse so that we're standing on the promises of God literally every week as we unpack his word. So that was the first part of the next campaign. This next step, just the expansion of our campus so that we could continue to reach more people here in Las Vegas. The next part was called the next chapter. And we laid out a lot of city initiatives, things like our ministry for called Purchased, where we're fighting against human trafficking in our city and around the world, our ministry to foster families and children, our ministries to the educational domain and targeting poverty issues in our city. We launched a, a vision to plant churches up and down the West Coast to reach over the next decade 1% of the Western United States. And we, we launched uh, some initiatives globally. For example, we talked about wanting the next decade to be the greatest sending season in the history of our church, sending people out to plant their lives in other countries. Did you know right now, as we are gathered here this weekend, we currently have five families and two single adults, 14 total people 
in the pipeline to leave their job, their, their career, their house, and to go to the other side of the world and plant themselves as full-time missionaries on the other side of the world. God is raising up people out of our fellowship to engage the nations. So we have the next step, we have the next chapter, but then we had the third component we called the next generation. And it was really born out of a verse of scripture that God directed us to. Psalm 33, verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from, hear it, generation to generation. And something we'd always said at Hope Church is we understood that what God was doing in, our, in and through our fellowship was bigger than us, right? It was never just about Hope Church. We understood that it was bigger than just our church, and it was even bigger than our city and bigger than our state and even bigger than our country. We knew that what God was doing here, he wanted to touch the ends of the earth, but it was walking through that journey together that for the first time it dawned on me that what God's doing in and through us as a fellowship is also bigger than our lifetime. You see, when God called my family here in 2000 to come and be about planting this fellowship, my wife and I were kids with kids, right? I mean, we were in our 20s, man. We were kids with kids. And now my wife and I are this picture. We are Big Poppy and Meemaw, right? <laughs> we have grandchildren now. And, and to be totally transparent, when God called my family to Las Vegas, I wasn't thinking about grandkids. <laughs> like it wasn't even on my radar, but here's what I now know. What God's doing in and through our fellowship is laying the foundation that the generations yet to come are going to run in for the accomplishment of the great commission and the reason I share that with you is because at Hope Church we place great value on the next generation it's one of the reasons we take time every year to do like we did this weekend in commissioning uh, teachers and educators in, in their field to be missionaries and to live on mission because we realize the next generation is a very big deal and if you've been walking with us on this journey for the last three months, as we've read through Proverbs daily, you understand that the book of Proverbs places great value on the next generation. Over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs, you'll read verses speaking to our responsibility to the next generation. Let me show you one of those verses that I want to focus on tonight. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, look what it says. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's a proverb that a lot of people know. You've probably heard this one before. Even before you read the Proverbs with us this summer, this is a verse out of Proverbs that has risen kind of above the book of Proverbs. Everybody knows it. The problem with this verse is there are two common misconceptions, and I want to address them before I dive into unpacking it. Here's the first common misconception. People think this is a verse for parents. Like when we read it, it's not in the text, but here's how we read it in our hearts. Parents, train up your children in the way they should go, right? I mean, if you're going to be honest and you'll say, that's pretty much the way I've always read. Let me see your hand, right? Because that's pretty much the way most people interpret this verse of Scripture, that this is a verse speaking 
to parents. Parents, raise up your children. Now, don't misunderstand me. This verse is obviously applicable to parents. But this verse is actually a challenge to every follower of Jesus to leverage their influence in shaping the next generation. Unfortunately, with a verse of Scripture like this, there are a lot of non-parents who say, that verse is not for me. I cannot listen today. But there's no, the word parents is not in here. Let me tell you a second thing. The word child here is not the Hebrew word for offspring. Nor is there any possessive structure. It's not train up your child. It's train up a child. The word child here is a word that refers to anyone who is young. It's a word that is generic. It speaks to the next generation. It literally could say, train up the young, train up the next generation. You ever heard the African proverb that says, it takes a village to raise a child? Nobody knows really where it came from. They've tried to trace the source of that. It's somewhere in the history of the continent of Africa that this proverb became something that people said. What it, what it speaks to in, in the African culture is that it, it takes an entire community of people to interact with the next generation for those children to experience life and grow in a safe and healthy environment. Here's what proverb, the, the biblical proverb says, train up a child, train up the next generation. And what it's speaking to us is, as a community of Jesus followers, as a church, we embrace a shared responsibility to raise up and impact the next generation. Here's what that means. Just because you may not be volunteering in Hope Kids or Hope Students doesn't mean you get a pass on this verse. It's for all of us. Now, if you're looking for a good place to start, we'll take you as a volunteer in Hope Kids and Hope Students. Amen, Hope Kids and Hope Students leaders. Amen. Pastor Tony and Pastor Trenton almost shouted back. I heard them. So that's the first misconception. Okay, this is for parents. No, it's not for parents. It's applicable to parents, but it's for all of us. Here's the second misconception about this verse of Scripture. If the next generation fails... (laughs) It's our fault. As a matter of fact, there may be some of you here today. Maybe you're watching online and you're a parent and you're wearing this verse like an albatross of guilt around your neck. Well, pastor, it says if you train them up in the way they should go, then they won't depart from it. And you feel like because your child, as they've grown up, have made choices for their life and decisions that are contrary to what you've taught them, that somehow you are the failure. Now, I'm not saying that as parents, we aren't responsible. We are responsible. But here's what you need to understand. Some proverbs we know as promises... But we only know a proverb as a promise 
if it's also a promise in other places in Scripture. For example, I quoted one a little earlier. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Is that a promise? Yes, but it's not just in Proverbs. Psalms chapter 46 verse 1 says basically the same thing. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in time of trouble. It's a promise because it's taught. The Proverbs are wisdom principles. You say, what does that mean? It means that the the wisdom principles are not guaranteed promises. It's a wisdom statement that generally will be true, meaning this. Generally, if you raise up a child in the way they should go, that's the wise thing to do, and the general outcome is when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. But here's the reality. There are no guarantees because every child has to choose their own path. And I know parents who've lived godly, and taught godly and invested godly and seen their children make decisions as they got older. And listen, mom and dad, they are responsible for their own choices. Don't wear this as an albatross of guilt around your neck. What this is telling us is we have a responsibility to invest in the next generation. And if we do it rightly, more times than not, what you're going to get out of that is a child that makes those right decisions. Does that make sense? So let me give you the big idea and let's unpack it. Here's the big idea of this weekend. A wise way to live is to give priority to training and shaping the next generation. If you believe that, say amen. If you don't believe that, get on board. It's what Proverbs says. We have a responsibility. Train up a child in the way he or she should go. Now, this is not just taught in Proverbs 22.6. It's taught in almost every chapter in Proverbs. You see Proverbs speaking to the next generation. As a matter of fact, think about for just a minute the meta-narrative of the book of Proverbs. What is the whole book of Proverbs? Solomon, a father, speaking to his son. Really, the backdrop of the entire narrative of the book of Proverbs, it begins in chapter 1, verse 8. He says, hear my son a father's instruction. The whole meta-narrative, the backdrop for the book of Proverbs is that it's a wise way to live to give priority to training and shaping the next generation. So let's unpack that big idea with three important questions. Here's the first one. And you need to listen fast, all right? You ready? Here we go. Number one. Why is my responsibility to the next generation so important? Why is it so important? I want to unpack the answer to that question with two big statements. Now, there's a lot we could say to answer that question. There's a ton of information in Scripture of why it's it's our responsibility and why it's so important. But let me give it to you in two statements. Number one... The next generation matters to God. We live in a very self-centered world. Unfortunately, it's crept into the church. Much of Christianity in America is very self-centered. It's about what it's going to do for me. 
People choose churches not based on how can God use me and my gifts in this church. People choose churches based on what you got for me. And if you don't have enough for me, I'm going to go somewhere where they got something better for me. It's crept into our understanding of, of, of Jesus and our understanding of our faith. And so if we're not careful, we live a self-centered Christianity all about God meeting our needs, God blessing us, God answering our prayers. But here's the reality of Scripture. The next generation matters to God. It's bigger than us. It's taught in both the Old and New Testament. Let me give you an example. Psalm 75. Verse 5, listen to what it says. For he, God, established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. You find that kind of premise over and over, both in the Old and New Testament, that we have a responsibility to the generations to come to be faithful, to invest in them. Why does the next generation matter to God? Well, a lot of reasons we could give. Let me give you just a couple. The next generation matters to God because they've been made for the glory of God. Did you hear that? The next generation ultimately have been made for the glory of God. Here's what that means. Ultimately, the next generation's primary aim is not to make their mark on the world. It's not to preserve American culture. It's not to end all of society's problems. The ultimate understanding and aim of the next generation is that they have been made for the glory of God. Let me show you a verse of Scripture out of Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Did you hear that? This is so counterintuitive to the way we view faith in our individualistic, self-centered culture of America that we hear that and don't even shout hallelujah. But we ought to hear that and shout glory be to God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forevermore. The word glory is a word that means brightness, splendor, radiance, greatness. And what this verse teaches us is that everything has been made for the glory of God, meaning that everything has been made to reflect and declare and praise the wonder and the splendor and the majesty of God. While the psalmist writes this in Psalm chapter 19 and verse 1, the heavens are telling of the what? Say it out loud. The glory of God. Did you hear that? The heavens are telling. It's an ongoing, continuous declaration. As you look up into the heavens, here's what the heavens are saying. Glory to God. Glory to God. And their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. When you look up into the sky at night and you see the vastness of the stars, they tell us that the first star 
beyond our sun is called Alpha Centauri. Did you know that the first star that you could travel to, if you could travel into outer space past our sun, the first star is Alpha Centauri. Do you know how close it is to planet Earth? It is 25 plus trillion miles away. And if you could travel there as you flew past it, you could count one Because you just have passed the first star. We have no idea with all of our technology how many stars there are in outer space. We know how close the first one is. We don't have a clue where the last one is or even how far it is. That's this idea of the expanse is declaring the vastness of the solar systems are declaring the glory of God. But listen, that's not just true about the stars and the mountains and the planets and the galaxies and the oceans. In the book of Romans, when it uses the word things, it's not just talking about inanimate objects. It's talking about everything. That means you and I as human beings are made with a primary purpose, and that primary purpose is the glory of God. John Piper said it this way. Glorifying God is the ultimate, absolute, all-pervasive reason for being everything we are and doing everything we do. Glorifying God is feeling and thinking and acting in ways that reflect His greatness. Here's what that means. At your job, your primary aim is not to increase your platform or grow your, your capital or plan or prepare for your retirement. At your job, the, the greatest thing that you can be about is the glory of God that other people see you and the way you work and they give glory. Listen, at your school, in your neighborhood, in your hobbies. The greatest thing in front of us is the glory of God. It's why 1 Corinthians chapter 10 said it this way, whether then you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. How does this apply to the next generation? Get this. The children and young people in your home in your classroom, in your neighborhood, on your ball team, in your small group, they've ultimately been created to be living testimonies of the greatness and the majesty and the splendor of God. And we have a responsibility to raise them up as such. But not only does the next generation matter to God because they've been made for the glory of God, secondly, they've been made to enjoy the goodness of God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism is a foundational statement in the Protestant faith. Listen to what it says. The chief end of man is to glorify God. But listen to the next part. And Enjoy Him forever. You see, most people think bringing God glory and enjoyment are not the same thing. But here's what I want you to understand. When God 
is most glorified. We are most satisfied. You see, living for the glory of God doesn't rob us of all the pleasure of life. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. Living for the glory of God fills our lives with joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. You know who the most miserable people are on planet Earth? Not lost people. Because they don't know what they don't know. The most miserable people on planet Earth are saved people living for the glory of themselves. Because they now know they've been made for someone else's glory. And they will only be most satisfied when they live their lives that he may be glorified. And the writer of Proverbs has reminded us of this over and over again. Let me show it to you in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. Look what he said. My son, keep my words. Treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and say it out loud. We think it says keep my commandments and be miserable. But in Hebrew, this literally could be translated, enjoy life. The next generation has been made for his glory and to enjoy his goodness. And they will not enjoy his goodness apart from seeking his glory. You see, it's in living for his glory that we find real life. That's why the psalmist said this in Psalm 16. You will make known to me the path of life. Get this. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Why is this responsibility to the next generation so important? Because they matter to God. But secondly... It's important because the next generation matters to God's redemptive mission. The whole story of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is the story that God is on a mission redeeming a people to himself from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. But here it is. God is accomplishing his mission through his people. I had a radical thought this week. Here it is. Some generation is going to finish the mission. Do you hear that? I pray it's ours. But it could be the next one. Or the next one. Meaning this, you and I right now, in the scope of God's eternal redemptive mission, could be entrusted with raising up the generation that will finish the eternal redemptive mission of God. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Matthew chapter 24, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then what? <laughs> the end of what? The end of the world as we know it. 
You see, this whole thing is moving towards a grand and glorious climax when King Jesus is going to step off the throne, return to this earth, and redeem to himself the people that have come to know him through the redemptive work that he accomplished on the cross, and then we'll be raptured up with him, and for eternity, the kingdom of God will reign, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and someday, one generation will be the last generation to share the gospel. Here's what that means. Listen to this. Here's how this applies to you. That little boy or girl in your classroom that you are struggling to keep focused (laughs) may one day preach the sermon that ushers the last soul into the kingdom of God. That teenager that is pushing every boundary you put in front of them today may one day be the one God uses to take the gospel across the last boundary to reach the last unreached people group on the face of the earth. Our responsibility matters because the next generation matters to God and they matter to God's eternal eternal redemptive mission. So then let me ask the second question. What is my responsibility to the next generation? Well, let's go back to Proverbs 22. Let's put it up here. Train up a child in the way he should go. Two important parts of this I want to point out. First of all, say that word out loud. Train. What does it mean? Well, I want to share with you three things about that word. Number one, it's an imperative in Hebrew. Here's what that means. You ain't got to pray about it. God is not saying consider this. I preached a week or so ago about seeking counsel. You don't have to seek counsel about this. Leave that up here. Keep that up here with me. Train. It's an imperative. It's a command. Meaning God says, do this. Secondly, not only is it imperative, it is speaking about the totality of a person. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean that this is talking more than just their spiritual life. As a matter of fact, the word train is not a spiritual word. Again, we put our church goggles on, we read this verse, and we think it means teach them to pray, teach them to read the Bible, memorize Scripture, take them to church. Listen, that's a part of training. But this is speaking to the totality of the person, meaning their spiritual, physical, mental, emotional well-being. Third thing about this word train, it requires an investment of time. It's a command of God for you and I to choose to be intentional with our time in raising up the totality, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, next generation. It means that this verse is more than just making sure your child prays at night before going to bed or memorizes a Bible verse each week. With whatever level of influence we have in the next generation, we're to leverage it for the sake of developing them holistically, their spiritual life, their decision-making, their management of finances, their living as good stewards of the body God gave them, relational boundaries, all of that is included in the word train. Second part of this sentence that's important is in the way he should go. Now you understand the Bible was written in Hebrew and in Greek, Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek. What we have in English is a translation of the inspired Hebrew and Greek texts. In Hebrew, 
This phrase, he should go, is literally not in the text. It's a translator's interpretation of what this is saying. It literally says, train up a child in his or her way. Say, what does that mean? Here's what I think it means. Every human being has been created by God and has a unique purpose for their life. And you and I, through training, are not to try to force them into our mold. By sensitivity to the Holy Spirit of God, we are to understand who and how God's made them and we are to, through an investment of in time, intentionally in accordance with a biblical text. That doesn't mean we don't give boundaries and parameters. Obviously, the boundaries and parameters of Scripture are a part of training. Let me show you a place in the Scripture that I think speaks to this. In Psalm 139, I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says about all of us. Speaking to God, the psalmist says, You made... All the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Train up a child in the way. His or her way is following the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God with an intentional investment of time, leveraging whatever influence God's given you in the life of the next generation, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, relationally. We're to leverage that for seeing them be championed for accomplishing the purpose that God's given them. Let me give it to you in a statement. What's our responsibility? Our responsibility is to guide the next generation to discover who God made them to be and to fully live that out for His glory. That's our responsibility. Mom and Dad, that's your responsibility. Your responsibility is not to make sure they have a better life than you had. Your responsibility is not to make sure they get the biggest scholarship or that they become the best athlete or they're the star pupil. Your responsibility is to guide the next generation to discover who God made them to be and to fully live that out for His glory. Educator, teacher, coach, small group leader, scout leader. I know there are other tasks, education, if that's what you're doing, that's important. Sports, if you're coaching, that's important. But let me tell you what rises above all that. You as a Christ follower have a responsibility to guide the next generation to discover who God made them to be and how to fully live that out for his glory. So let me close. My time's gone. Here's the last question. How? How do I fulfill my responsibility to the next generation? Obviously, we can't unpack this in great detail. But I'm about to give you five things up here real quick. So if you want to jot them down, take a picture of them, however you want to do it, it's on the app. You can get it there as well. 
I'm going to give you five practical takeaways. I'm going to do it around five words so it's memorable with the word, but then I'm going to give you a sentence. Here's word number one, dependence. I am to guide the next generation in dependence on the Lord. Here's what that means. You and I cannot do this in our own strength. It's impossible. Teacher, educator, coach, mom, dad, the task before you is bigger than you. You must seek the face of God. Dependence. Number two, dedication. I am to guide the next generation with a heart of dedication. And really, I want to say that in two ways. Dedication, first of all, to the Lord, meaning our responsibility to the next generation is a recognition of stewardship, meaning they've been entrusted to us for a season, and we are simply stewards of this life, this relationship, and we have to entrust that back to the Lord, dedicating it to Him. James Dobson said it this way, children are not casual guests in our home. They have been loaned to us temporarily for the purpose of loving them and instilling a foundation of values on which their future lives will be built. It's a dedication to the Lord, but secondly, it's a dedication to the task. It's a resolve to steadfastness, to not quitting. I know there are going to be days you want to. Teachers, educators, coaches... (laughs) Even moms and dads, there are days you want to. But the way we fulfill this, this is with the spirit of dedication. Number three, demonstration. I am to guide the next generation by living my life as a demonstration of a life lived for God's glory. Let me say this first of all. To see your life, you've got to invite them into your life. If you're investing in the next generation, let me just tell you something that'll take you a long way. Transparency. Let them in. When you mess up, let them see it. One of the greatest things you can do for the next generation is show them your own mistakes and be willing to apologize and humble yourself when you need to towards them. Demonstration. It's why the writer of Proverbs said in Proverbs 20, verse 7, a righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. Let them see it. Reggie Joyner said it this way. One of the most sobering truths about parenting is that you are teaching your children something, whether you are being intentional or not. Kids have a front row seat to our lives. What are they watching? It's not just true for parents. Teacher, educator, administrator, coach, small group leader. They got a front row seat in your life. Doesn't mean you got to be perfect. But demonstrate a life lived for the glory of God. Number four, discipline. I'm to guide the next generation by being faithful to discipline from a heart of love. We hear the word discipline and we think punishment, but that's not the word discipline in Scripture. Let me give you a statement that will help summarize this idea of discipline. We don't have time to unpack it, but here it is. Loving boundaries with compassionate correction. That's discipline. Loving boundaries with compassionate correction. If you don't bring the boundaries, you're not fulfilling your responsibility to the next generation. But if you don't also compassionately correct when they step outside the boundaries, you're not fulfilling your... Listen, don't just try to be their buddy. Here's the fifth one. 
deploy. I'm to guide the next generation by ultimately deploying them to fulfill God's glorious purpose for them. Teachers, educators, coaches, but even, listen, moms and dads. Mom and dad, you know the Bible calls your children arrows in the hands of a warrior. Arrows are meant to be shot. Here's what that means. When it comes time, let them go. Let them fulfill the purpose. God You know, one of the toughest things for me in ministry through the years has been watching a kid, God just get a hold of them in high school, college, and they're ready to surrender their life to something that God has for them. And a Christian mom or dad becomes the biggest obstacle because they had another plan than God's plan for what they wanted their kid to be and do. No, part of this raising them up is deploying them, sending them out to be what God's called them to be. That's our responsibility to the next generation. Let's pray.